0: Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the eastern border. If I sound a bit weird, it's because uh, I'm recovering from um, a bit of a poisoning attempt, yeah. (laughs) Haven't uh, found out everything that well, but boy, a few days were a bit of a hell, and uh, now I have episodes to do. Oh, and also uh, more actual copy editing for the article. (laughs) But I'll I'll manage uh, that, I think, in, in the next few days hasn't been easy for me thank you for thank you for your support everyone in discord and otherwise who have been there for me it's very appreciated i can finally record and i thought i thought that i'd be um talking for example why why ukrainian journalists are actually talking about um talking about conflict between zelensky and zeluzny which is a bit overblown They have to write about something to be honest but um but you know, then um, another interesting thing happened. We'll be talking about Venezuela today, because this also also ties into ties into whole Russia Ukraine thing. The problem here being is that Venezuela is always super friendly towards Putin, and always has been, but there's a bit of a bit of a problem currently. See, on December the third, Venezuelans voted for or against the creation of a new Venezuelan state in the Essequibo region. It was apparently a non-binding consultative referendum designed to put an end over about 200 years of territorial conflict. The problem is, it belongs to Guyana. The issue has been becoming an obsession for Nicolas Maduro, because he's always been talking about this. But, um... Yeah, there is a... <laughs> There's a bit of an issue here, uh, because it also <laughs> involves some uh, and all the fun stuff. See, that's the thing. This has been a territorial dispute over the Sesequibo region, which dates back to the colonial era. In 1811, when Venezuela proclaimed its independence, it believed the region was part of its territory. And, you know, it still kind of is there on their school maps. Now, despite the claims, the United Kingdom, which occupied the territory of present-day Guyana, placed the region under the authority of the British Crown. In 1899, an arbitration court ruled in favor of the UK, even though the United States at that point had supported Caracas. The dispute resurfaced in 1966, when Guyana gained independence. The Geneva Agreement, signed by the UK, Venezuela and British Guyana, urged countries to agree to a peaceful resolution through dialogue, but Guyana has since sought a resolution through the International Court of Justice a procedure which Venezuela rejects since, um, yeah, they're not big into this international court of justice since they're not a member because otherwise they couldn't be friends with Putin. And this whole thing, um, this whole thing comes via some um, political issues you see. I think his presidential election takes place uh, in a year and Maduro is trying to rally support around him by playing the sentiments of, of voters by positioning himself as um, as some as sort of nationalist, especially since previously, well, he has seen some competition, and he's been pushed aside. And and previously, all this stuff that happened, yeah, the the peace, somewhat a peaceful situation that had uh, formed itself around around the whole situation. Well, um. What happened is that they had made the deal with some sort of elections after the previous ones. It was a bit weird last time, and now kind of Maduro has to at least pretend that he's going to do something. So it's a bit crazy. We have some interesting reports about the results, though, because the results of the um, elections... Yeah, I checked out how different newspapers reported on this because I want to get through the Western reporting, and then I want to... I want to inform you on, on what the Russian side is saying, because this has uh, quite a large impact on on the whole Ukraine war. <laughs> however, however, in this case, <laughs> the Guardian, for example, reports that uh, Maduro votes Maduro vote to claim Guyana's territory backfires as Venezuelans stay home. And They focus on the fact that turnout was minimal and votes on referendum intended to like rubber stamp this whole claim. Well, <laughs> that's the thing he um he really pushed for it and apparently there was um there was very little turnout however however despite the minimal turnout that has been focused on and the guardian which they by the way did not really um point out how many people actually went there uh, they they state that um, apparently ninety five percent, like Venezuela itself says that ninety five percent of those who voted the well, yes, basically went there out of um, out of about two million people. Although the government, of, cor- of course, claims ten million people, but you know, so what happened is, and, and CNN, however, focuses on the fact that Venezuela approve of the of takeover of all the rich region of Guyana. So everyone's now speculating. Just a thing because I wanted to. Look at both sides, and well, one side focuses on the fact that turnout was low, the other side apparently focuses on, uh, on how this was supported. But yeah, yeah, the thing is that Gaian obviously called this move um, towards annexation a existential threat, and there was a lot, of, a lot of screaming all around, a lot of complaints from both, um, both parties, and uh, well, at least they're starting to talk a bit. But it's going to be um, a bit interesting because, once again, it really relates to the war. And, uh, well, currently, the situation is that Venezuela is already giving out licenses to Western companies to kind of work in the territorial waters and all that stuff, where there is way less regulations than in the States and all all that whatnot. And, um, yeah, it's a bit um, kind of like, you know, Russia doing, uh, doing its own thing. Meanwhile, Guyana's president, Ifran Ali, yeah, he stated that the country, Guyana, is taking all the necessary precautions to protect itself from Venezuela. Because, uh, well, for one, although it seems that, uh, although Guyana has only 800,000 people, and Venezuela has about 10 million people, there is a little tiny thing about the whole situation there with the Yasekibo region all this stuff. There are basically no roads going there. This is why this whole thing is uh, a bit dumb. See, um, Guyana's president is called Ifran Ali. He's an uh, Indian Muslim. He's the least uh, Latin American person you could imagine. Guyana is part of the British Commonwealth. It's the the British cultural side. This is why also those of you who follow football, that is soccer, you know that all these Guyana Suriname and French Guyana, uh, yeah, they... Play in um, in the CONCACAF, not at the CONMEBOL. So basically, they play with United States and Mexico and Caribbean countries towards like with with whom they're way closer culturally, rather than um, with with the whole South American continent. Also, also there are barely any roads. Everyone lives like right next to the coast. There, this Azuero region. It's a home of t- about 120,000 people, and it's just jungle, basically, with very little roads. It's going to be a bit crazy. So, it's going to be, hopefully, uh, hopefully this does not turn out into hot war, but, uh, well, at least Western media reports that, uh, as Ali has stated, quote, our first line of defense is diplomacy adding that Guyana has reached out to leaders abroad, including the United States, India, and Cuba. The uh, United States, by the way, has responded by being very concerned about this, as usual. And apparently, they are also preparing for actual military uh, military scenario, if such a thing would happen. Everyone's taking this threat very seriously, and so am I, which is just um, just another thing that shows how how pretty much Horrid all the situation is happening in the world. I mean, we already have a lot of conflicts happening all over the place, and I haven't even checked on on what's going on in in Haiti. I doubt there is even could be much of Haiti remaining at this point, but uh, this war well, this war you see has a clear impact towards uh towards Ukraine. see, I was watching a lot of a lot of shows and trying to truly understand this because, as you know, I'm here in Eastern Europe, not in in Americas. And apparently, this could have an impact on funding for Ukraine if some sort of nonsense just happens out there. Already, the situation in the front lines is a bit weird. Although, I have to state that, uh, well, it's not as grim as people try to tell you. This is my... (laughs) This is the eastern border telling you, please stop worrying that much. Sure, Ukraine has problems. Russia also has problems. Russia has problems with morale. Russia has problems with logistics. Russia has problems with ammo. Russia also has so many problems with everything that it's just insane. Ukraine's problems are very simple, to be honest. Ukraine's pl- problems are the fact that, um, beginning, starting from the very very early war, no one gave Ukraine what it needed on a timely manner at all. It was all given eventually, but if you remember at the very early war, Germany gave, like, what, 5,000 helmets or something? And now, look, leopard tanks and airplanes and all this stuff. And, and if only these things could have been done faster and in the early war. If, if the equipment from the West would have been there when it was needed and when it was, when it was there for the, for the highest use potential. Then then, um, oh, let me remind you, uh, and not, you know, uh, Westerners also just selling uh, machine tools for ammo production, right? So the situation could have been much more different. And the thing is, again, Venezuela is very friendly with Russia. Let's get on to this part now. And uh, here, here I'm using article from russiabriefing.com by uh, Mikhail Baranchik. This guy, this guy has written in very kind of business, academical language, about doing business between Venezuela and Russia. Russia Briefing in itself is uh, apparently a business magazine that uh, writes both in Russian and in English about how it's like to do business inside of Russia, even today. And that's the whole thing. This article was written in December the fifth, and I'm. Uh, I'm going to summarize it, basically. I'm not going to quote all of it. But uh, let's start with the history here. The history of Russia-Venezuela relations is marked by a significant evolution, particularly in the post-Cold War era. It's a very academical article, kind of very dry. Apparently, well, cooperation started primarily with Hugo Chavez. And by the way, the the ultra-liberal libertarian people and I mean libertarian, libertarian to the point where I I think Alex and and uh my friend Heathen would consider them a bit weird. They stated that they're all filthy commies there, and I don't disagree, but Putin is not a commie, so you know. Just just saying. But basically, uh, Hugo Chavez managed to manage to hang out and, and build a lot of equipment, uh, a lot of equipment and trade routes for from, from Russia. Because by twenty eleven Venezuela had become the top customer for Russia's arms. So we're looking at here in the potential invasion is uh, Russian guns in the jungle, which they don't really don't have, and uh, after Hugo Chavez died in 2013, new interesting things happened in the russia Venezuela relationship parts here. Because you see, that Maduro's election was uh, very controversial, however, Russia continued its support, which included the Russia's veto of the United Nations Security Council resolution calling for new presidential elections in the Venezuela in 2019. For this, Maduro supports Russia in the Ukraine conflict. And the implications are there, and they're profound. Russia's engagement with the Venezuela, like with all weird broken states with dictators up there, is part of its broader strategy to establish kind of this, what they call a multipolar world order, which I call as the world order between psycho-dictators, psycho-dictators, and actually people who, you know, want to work for their their money and, you know, enjoy some some freedoms. And, um, well, their official stance, although this is total bullshit, but written very academically in this magazine, is, quote, Both nations, through their alliance, advocate for a global landscape where power is more diffusely distributed, reflecting their shared goals, economic interests, and political ideologies. And, uh, quote, Throughout these developments, Russia's relationship with Venezuela has been driven by both countries' status as major oil producers and their shared policy stance towards the United States. This complex historical trajectory has laid the foundation for the current trade and investment dynamics between Russia and Venezuela. And that's a bit um, that's a bit scary because I, I really don't know how these people write so academically. I for one I'm going to have to do the same thing cuz I have my keynote to finish but uh it is what it is. Russian Venezuela trade volume itself has jumped 70% between January and July 2000, 2023. The economic ties are strengthening cuz Venezuela is still doing, you know, doing what they can to support Russia russian Ukraine war. Of course primarily is the oil trade which is the number one thing they have a crucial partnership there given the the nature of and I really really had to study this apparently Venezuelan crude oil is very heavy which requires which requires specialized processing it's not at the same they have a lot of it but uh, it's kind of like closer to Russian brand of Urals not the Brent one and I now I can say that I know a little little something about about oil trade second part is agricultural trade and so apparently russian market is open to venezuelan and fish and, and plants and all all this stuff russia supplies venezuela with flu vaccines cancer drugs and, and all sorts of things as much as they can because they're lacking everything right now themselves and they also have uh have set a, con- a contract uh, for deploying a glonass measurement station for space and satellite navigation in venezuela but that's also kind of a <laughs> not really not really going on anywhere there's a lot of a lot of uh space ties a lot of economical ties as, as you can see but but what what is what is the opportunities here what's gonna happen and again i'm i'm gonna quote from this article because this is ultra dry sorry about this hmm. Quote, Given the existing military ties, there is potential for further collaboration in defense technology, including research and development of new military equipment and joint production initiatives. By leveraging BRICS and EAEU, Russia and Venezuela can use their positions in these international alliances to explore new markets. Strengthening South-South cooperation, particularly with other Latin American and BRICS countries, can open up new avenues for trade and investment. Uh, I kinda like how Russia is technically considering themselves to be global south. Uh which I really, really hate the term. <laughs> Secondly, I really kind of uh also don't think that anyone between the these two countries should really rely on stuff because corruption is everywhere. When we're talking about trade, please remember that most of it is just is <laughs> just basically going away. And it's being stolen all the time. And this, by the way, is despite that um, Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, by the way, wrote an article on 2022, uh, I think it's 9th of December, by Pavel Trashenko, whom I really wouldn't wouldn't trust as much. Uh, Oh yeah, he's the deputy head of the Commerce and Newspaper Foreign Policy Department. For those of you who know uh, the correspondent thing, he wrote that it's going to be like uh, only in in words only and that the support will fall and all this stuff, but um, yeah, this hasn't been the case. Thing is that Maduro is being pushed in his own country because their political situation, uh, I'm not that informed, but apparently there's a strong candidate from the outside to kind of go in and actually. Smash Maduro, which is why the turnout was low, because Maduro only managed to get, grab uh, his very loyal followers for this referendum, where of course he got ninety five percent of the vote. But still, it's kind of like this radicalization. <laughs> if you if you like in Russia, also you know not everyone support not everyone supports the war, right? But there's those, you know, Girkin and pals, those buddies, they're super aggressive about it. They're very loud as well. I think the same thing is in the hotel. Currently, Russia is just grasping for allies. And I think Russia has um, promised something to Maduro there. In exchange for something. Maduro wouldn't do this if, um, if he hadn't gotten permission from Putin. So it's either two options. Either, <laughs> either he forced Putin to allow him this and ask for some resources, which Putin doesn't have. Or he just decided that uh, Maduro could pull off a Putin himself, you know, and do some some crazy shenanigans. Thankfully, it's still on the conversational stage. But um, as as sadly, in the United States uh, Congress, the question about funding going to Ukraine and and Israel as well is now under question, and there are now many problems there. (laughs) Yeah, such a distraction is something. Which I I think that the free world totally, totally didn't need. This is one of the saddest points and saddest uh, things that I have ha- that I had had to cover on the show. And again, sorry for the weird voice. I'm not very, not very healthy at this point. But um, I just wonder. right now, I haven't even been surprised that much. I just wonder where where are things are going to go next. I I think that Afghanistan Pakistan conflicts are also going to be interesting. We're gonna have a lot of conflicts these days. I just really hope that you all stay safe, because they're well apparently looking out for me again. Because yeah, um, to explain what I said at the beginning, um, I went um, I went out to eat with um, with Evitim and uh, in, in the pub I just just passed out, like you nearly know, passed out. It was horrible and. Uh, Went did the toxicology analysis and um, well bad stuff, lots of money spent, lots of health damage, and um well, I'll, I'll manage. But yeah, thank you for for your support. Because that helped a lot. And now and now Venezuela is happening as well. But uh let's just hope that there is a diplomatic solution. After all, Venezuela is much closer to the United States than it is Russia and with Brazil. Also fortifying its borders, there could be a possible chance for some peaceful solution here somehow. Because there's a key is a troll, just a bunch of, well, jungle basically. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they can give like parts of it or something. But you know, all in all, and um, again, sorry about how my voice sounds today. All in all, uh, I think that unless something, something horrible happens, you know, unless something goes way out of the plan events, I think things should be somewhat calm. Because Russia also cannot afford to push down on stuff. And Russian uh, Russian side, our, our good buddy Maxim Kolashnikov, the guy who was friends with Igor Girkin, he led these lamenting and complaining how Russia will not take uh, not, not take this chance, this opportunity given to them, apparently, to do something about it. Because they can't. They can't really do it. They can't exactly focus on that stuff right now. Which is nice, but still. Right now, we're we're just keeping... We just have to live with the fact that such impulses and such chaos is going to be happening everywhere. And again, notice how Russia is friendly with where the trouble starts. I mean, they're friendly to Hamas. They're friendly to Venezuela doing things. It's it's obvious to me by now that if you want to stop this whole nonsense and focus on actual security, let's put in. it. that really needs to go. But that's it for today. Thank you for listening, and um, sorry, I'll get better next time. Please uh, consider supporting our show on patreon.com slash the eastern border or clicking the donate button on the eastern border.lv which we fixed after last time. Medical expenses and all this stuff have been huge and I'm trying to figure out how to function and Christmas is coming and everything and it's, it's pretty bad, to be honest. And, uh, well, at least at least I'm not in Guyana waiting for some sort of assault right now or something. And remember, happiness is mandatory.